You are listening to Keystone Stock Talk Podcast, episode 146. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often, and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Keystocks and on Facebook or via our 24-hour streaming radio station, pennystocks.fm. And keep submitting your stocks via the usual social channels or at our website, keystocks.com, for our Your Stock Artake segment. And we just might review your stock in an upcoming show and let you know if it is a buy, sell, or hold. This week, we start with some brief comments about the volatility in cryptos and the shift near term from growth stocks. In our Your Stock, Our Take segment, we take two listener questions. The first is on Vicinity Motor Corp, symbol VMC on the TSX, a Canadian company that supplies electric, CNG, gas, and clean diesel buses for both public and commercial enterprises uses in the U.S. and Canada. Great first quarter deliveries from the company, strong revenue growth. All of this failed to push the stock higher in the near term. We take a look at why. Our second Your Stock, Our Take is on Brookfield Renewable Partners, partners, symbol BEP.UN on the TSX, which operates one of the world's largest publicly traded pure play renewable power platforms consisting of hydroelectric, wind, solar, and storage facilities in North America, South America, Europe, and Asia. A listener asks us if the company, which has retreated significantly of late, is well-placed to capitalize on the green wave. He asks us if we, what we see in terms of value at the current price on this stock. So let's get into our show. I'm going to welcome just Aaron Dunn this week. Brennan is off this week. And what, what, do, we th- what do we think about him being off this week? Well, I've been talking about trying to class up the podcast for a while. So I think that this is Just this is taking great. him out. I, my my prediction is that ratings are going to skyrocket over the next couple of weeks while yeah. Brennan is gone. <laughs> We're literally, as I speak, I'm boosting this on our social media as it goes out there just to ensure that that happens. And uh, Brennan feels terrible about himself when he comes back because that's what we like to do for him. But why really has Brennan abandoned us? What he is doing, we'll let you know, is he's studying for his CFA level two. So good luck, Brennan. Uh, Your job is hanging in the balance. Oh, absolutely. And and we will find out when the test (laughs) results are available. We will ask him right on Mm -hmm. the podcast. Um, and uh, we will just put potentially as reveal the them as possible. Reveal them on the podcast yeah. and watch them. So, for anybody who crushed. doesn't know, CFA, Chartered Financial Analyst, that's uh, designation the the premier designation for for equity research analysts and portfolio managers. So, it's uh, it's a good hill for Brandon to try and climb. And um, I would say that I have a lot of confidence in the guy to do something that will allow us to make fun of him. Yes, of course. Well, and we wish we do honestly wish him uh, the best of luck because he is editing still this podcast. So we don't want him to edit it too, too. So you're going to say none of this is actually going to make it to to the listeners. You know, he's cutting all this out anyway, so we could say whatever at this point, (laughs) Brennan. Yeah, it's true. Let's move on to the, the cryptocurrency market just quickly. We really want, don't want to delve too deeply here, but um, 
the cryptocurrency market on April 5th of this year hit $2 trillion in terms of total valuation. That had doubled in terms of value of the entire market in just three months. Now, at one point last week, however, the entire crypto market had lost 47% in just seven days. Again, like we said, this is on the backs of tremendous gains year to date, but that level of volatility is shocking and uh, concerning. Now, what had kind of derailed the market? Uh, there's a number of things, but a couple of things. China had a crackdown on cryptos. Elon Musk said that he his company Tesla would no longer allow Bitcoin for payments on Teslas. Uh, that was due to the energy used to mine Bitcoin, which others in the industry, in the crypto industry and, the Bit- and in Bitcoin have now disputed. I mean, for me, I think... Elon's Elon's challenge here is that he has to face kind of a showdown between, you know, he's been an advocate of cryptocurrencies, but that is between the energy used on these and his forward thinking class of investors and environmentalists who have uh, ushered millions or, or, or have a mission, sorry, to address climate change in the corporate world all across the world so he's trying to play uh, you know have two masters here and right now you know he gets most of his money from the environmentalist movement who are using everybody who wants a cleaner earth who is using electric vehicles such as tesla and they're pushing back against what they believe is an excessive use of energy in terms of mining bitcoin so he's I believe he's kind of just gone that direction, maybe pushing Bitcoin to Bitcoin to be a little bit more um, uh, environmentally friendly over time. Some will say that it already is. Some will say it completely isn't. Yeah, my understanding is that the, the amount of power that is required for the mining of Bitcoin, which is essentially what makes the cryptocurrency work, um, is, is, is massive. And this is where the environmental strain comes in, is that power, a lot of it, Created by fossil fuels, of course, electricity that is required um, for for essentially for Bitcoin to operate, for the miners to operate. And there are certainly, if you look forward, there's different ways of doing this, of um, essentially maintaining these crypto networks that have been discussed. Uh, but you know, for for certainly for Elon Musk, it is a little bit puts him in a situation where, on one hand, he's best known for being the electric car guy. Uh, you know pushing forward, you know, renewables in support of that. Um, but then on the other hand, he's supported or was supporting a, a cryptocurrency that had a reputation of being uh, not environmentally sustainable. So although some people might argue that, I don't know what the argument is um, against that. I don't know what what the argument is that, that Bitcoin is not um, environmentally environmentally taxing. But I, I would I would definitely say that, you know, a lot of this also comes down to optics, because if all of a sudden all this attention, I mean, Elon, Elon Musk is a smart guy. I mean, in, in terms of being an engineer, you know, he's got to be one of the, the, the most brilliant minds that we know. I mean, I think that he he certainly he has his quirks, but engineering wise, he seems like a brilliant guy. He knows how Bitcoin works. Um he, I'm, I'm sure he was aware of 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 the of the consumption requirements of it, the power consumption requirements. But you know, a lot of it does come down to to just perception as well. So he has to deal with yeah. that. But one point I want to make, just outside of the whole Elon and everything else, is that we have talked about uh, crypt- cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin and Ethereum at our DIY investment seminars, and we're not we're not currency traders or or um, speculators. 
We've never advised people specifically to invest in cryptocurrencies, but we have said, you know, in terms of being a legitimate supply of money in, in the future, we, we have no, no um, argument that would say that cryptocurrencies could not fill that space or a portion of that space. But one thing that we did say is that there are just so many unknowns. I mean, as a store of value, cryptocurrencies were far too volatile to be a store of value. And really, they're, they, they're a trading asset. They're, they're a speculative trading asset. So it's fine to own some, to have a small allocation. Um, but we have always supported you know, the best way to deal with um, a changing economy or different types of, of economic uh, um, situations is just to have great companies, just a portfolio of great growth stocks that are producing cash flow, that are providing essential products and services, that are solving problems that are going to be needed um, long term. And we thought one of the biggest risks that we saw with the crypto space is that you just really don't know if one or two cryptos start to replace the money supply in the future, the fiat currency or, or like the US dollar or the currencies that we use now, is it going to be Bitcoin? Is it going to be something else? And I made the point that Bitcoin could have a problem that people are going to um, not some type of an issue that people are going to um, take exception to in the future that they that are going to you know drive people away from Bitcoin and perhaps the environmental um, the environmental uh, consequences of Bitcoin is that is that issue now I don't know if it is or not and I wasn't necessarily thinking anything specific when I said that my my main point was that it's such a complicated such a complicated thing it's very difficult to understand. It's very difficult to predict what's going to happen five, 10 years from now. And even if five, 10 years from now, we were to assume that cryptocurrencies are the main form of money, we don't know that Bitcoin is going to be um, in that group. So it's um, certainly, you know, not arguing with some people who want to have some exposure to crypto, but we have heard of people making uh, massive allocations towards cryptocurrencies, you know, 30, 40 percent 50 percent of their portfolio and above and that to us is just asking for trouble yeah and we've been asked just as a side note and kind of along the lines that aaron was talking about uh lately about you know new coins that have been put out there and the use case for some of these is absolutely nothing or nil that's and i mean some of the recently developed coins are basically Ponzi schemes. I'm very confident in saying it. They're self-admitted Ponzi schemes, which is very strange in itself. I mean, to give you an example, there is literally a coin called PooCoin. It is called PooCoin. I'm not sure if that needs it, any further Hey, at least they're being comment. honest. Yeah, I mean, it, literally they are. But I'm saying they're self-admitted. And there's, there's like half there's no use case that you can describe and there's no absolutely no way to value most of these and they'll say i you know literally say um there's no way to value this it probably doesn't have much value but i can make money off of it because i can trade it like a hot potato that is a ridiculous scenario uh, in terms of uh, allocating any of your capital towards so buyer beware on some of those over the long term uh that is not to say the underlying technology um that backs these cryptocurrencies blockchain doesn't have tremendous use cases going forward there is a lack of regulation in here and we could go into that into far more detail but i really don't want to today because i don't think it has a lot of value just to say that know that some of these have literally no use case and are just passing hot potatoes around so i you know i'd go in it as a buyer beware 
I'm going to also comment. At present, we talked about um, there seems to be a growth is out trade near term, a shift in sentiment from growth-oriented names to more cyclical in value. We talked about this a little last week. As a result, growth stocks generally in the last month or so uh, or a couple months have suffered after very strong gains in 2021. Now, this should be expected. The multiples of many growth stocks, both high quality and poor quality, that they have been receiving in many cases were unsustainable. Now, some of the growth oriented names, even quality names that we own, have pulled back, some with near term company specific uh, reasons. But many have pulled back in sympathy with the market despite despite strong growth numbers. Now, how do you deal with this? Well, each situation needs to be evaluated on its own merits, and we do that for our clients on a weekly basis. Uh, but if you're owning good businesses, if there's a pullback in that business and the fundamentals remain similar or the same, um, it's often a time to add or just sit there. Many of them pay dividends. Well, either reinvest those dividends or just collect those dividends over time. Be patient. What I would say is stocks do not go up in a straight line, despite what some newer investors think, because they've seen that uh, for uh, you know extended periods of time. Uh, there are pullbacks in stocks naturally over time. If it's a good business, often you're thankful you bought it today, looking two to five years forward. And that's what we're looking for, uh, for the companies that we recommend to our clients. So let's move on to our Your Stock, Our Take segment. It's time we answer a question on Your Stock in a little segment we like to call Your Stock, Our Take. Buy, sell, or hold. I'm going to take the first one, Vicinity Motor Corp, VMC on the TSX. This company was formerly Grand West Transportation Group, Inc. They have changed their name recently. Uh, price 636, about $186 million market cap. What does the company do? Canadian company. They supply electric, CNG, gas, and clean diesel buses for both public and commercial enterprises uses in the U.S. and Canada. The company has delivered over 500 buses in its history and is a market leader in the mid-sized bus category in Canada where it sells its vicinity branded buses. Its flagship vicinity Lightning EV bus is enabled through a strategic supply agreement with BMW batteries. Now, in March of 2021, the company completed a three-for-one share consolidation. They are preparing for a proposed NASDAQ listing. Now, first quarter results were tremendous. Revenues were up 588% to $27 million, compared to just $4 million in the same period last year. They made $0.07 cents per share as opposed to a loss of $0.07 cents in the same quarter last year. They delivered 67 buses in the quarter, up from 6 in the same period last year. And they received uh, around another 10 vicinity Lightning buses in the quarter. The company also announced after the quarter about 15 CNG buses from a legacy customer in the Canadian uh, market. Now, let's go over this company. The, the first quarter, like I said, 2021 was a blockbuster by any measure for this company. It delivered 20% more buses in the first three months than they did in all of 2020. But we have seen in the past the results can be very lumpy. I'm going to go back over that history briefly now. 2017 to 2018, the company received or recorded record revenues. 
2017, 54 million, 70 million in 2018. However, the company experienced a decline in its backlog during 2018, mainly due to lower order intake as customers put their new fleets into service. This negatively impacted 2019, which cratered really from 70 million down to 25 million in terms of revenues. Bid activity during 2019 was significantly higher again, rebounding than in 2018. That translated into 2020 and 21 sales. Now, there were delays in these sales and delivery on these due to COVID-19. They pushed a large portion of expected uh, 2020 deliveries into 2021. We saw a good period, a bulk of that in uh, the first quarter. So 2020 sales, it was a tough year again because of that push forward. They had 26 million. Now, but... The company did push forward into the U.S. market last year and had its first seven buy American type orders, uh, and they would be delivered in 2021. Vicinity delivered vicinity delivered a record 67 buses, like we said in Q1, and expects another 23 to 25 approximately in Q2 of this year. That's over 100 buses in the first two quarters. These are great numbers and will make the company significantly profitable in the first half of 2021, but the guidance beyond this is limited. As far as the balance sheet, there's $1.7 million in cash in the bank as at March 31st. It can be capital intensive. We may see an equity raise here. However, the company does have around $20 million in working capital, so it's not a de- desperate situa- situation here. There is limited debt. Hardly any, basically. Uh, The first quarter was excellent, but the lack of share price movement on the quarterly numbers appears to be due to the historical lumpy nature of the business. Uh, We monitor it closely, but given the lack of consistent growth numbers, it's difficult to model cash flows going forward and determine fair value. We'll monitor it. We like the business, but don't like the inconsistent cash flows it produces. I agree, Ron. I I think the inconsistency in cash flow is one problem, and you would expect from some of these industrial companies for there to be a little bit of volatility. Um, But one issue that I would have or one concern that I would have is that there really isn't much guidance going out past the the next quarter. So it doesn't appear, looking through the press release, like they provide a a long-term backlog or a full backlog, at least that I was able to find quickly. Uh, And that's something that we would look at in terms of to, to get a sense of whether or not um, the strong performance in the last quarter is really just pent up demand from previous periods uh, that didn't get fulfilled, or if it's actual sustainable growth that we're going to see uh, throughout the year. So certainly an interesting business, um, something to follow. I wouldn't be pulling the trigger on it right now myself. Yeah, and it's probably also come down due to you had a huge green trade at the start of the year. Uh, it's certainly uh, in that sector, sector. so you've seen uh, sentiment shift against it. You had tremendous numbers in that quarter, and the stock has gone down uh, since its highs of uh, earlier in the year when you had wind at the back for that sentiment, or the sentiment regarding that sector. It is an admirable business, one, one to monitor, great sector, and it's admirable what they've been able to do. But we did talk about too. Um, there, you know, the, there is some technology that they own, but they're using a BMW battery here. So potentially, they don't get the premium multiples that somebody who owns that battery technology and produces the bus would as well. So we'll monitor that. It's something to keep in mind if you're looking at the company. Certainly, a great last quarter and should be a profitable. Not as great in terms of revenues. Uh, the deliveries won't be so high in the next quarter, but certainly one to monitor. It's just uh, at present, 
you don't have that uh, backlog and predictability going forward. And I think that's what the market is, uh, you know, uh, has not given this company a premium valuation in the market. So let's look at our second Your Stock, Our Take. It's time we answer a question on Your Stock in a little segment we like to call Your Stock, Our Take. Buy, sell, or hold. Aaron's going to handle this on Brookfield Renewable Partners, Inc. Excellent. Yes, I will take it from here. Uh, Brookfield Renewables Partners, uh, the symbol is BEP.UN on the TSX. It trades at about $48 per share, and it's a $13 billion market cap company. Brookfield Renewable operates one of the world's largest publicly traded pure play renewable power platforms. Renewable power includes hydroelectric, wind, and solar. And this is spread across North, South America, Europe, and Asia. Right now, they have total installed capacity of about 20,000 megawatts, and they have another 23,000 megawatts in their development pipeline. There's several classes of shares that investors can choose to purchase in order to get exposure to this portfolio of renewable power assets. Uh, You can purchase the BEP.UN shares listed in Canada or the BEP shares listed on the New York Stock Exchange. There's also another class of share, BEPC, um, that pays a dividend instead of an income distribution. I'm not going to get into the different classes of shares here. They're all essentially the same company. I'm just going to focus right now on the BEP.UN. Those that class of shares right now is yielding about 3% uh, based on current income distributions. So Brookfield Renewable participated in the renewable power boom last year, but after hitting an all-time high of about $62 in January of this year, the stock has since pulled back 22%. The company is largely following the general trend in the renewable and clean clean tech space. Over the past few years, especially in 2020, there's been a lot of excitement about renewables, tech, and other growth-oriented new age industries, even including space stocks. Uh, This year, capital has flowed out of these segments and into more traditional sectors like resources, banking, and industrials. The reason for this has been due to a combination of inflation fears, but also just high high valuations on last year's big winners. I personally don't see this as a cause for concern, at least in the long term. We look at every stock investment on an individual company by company basis, as opposed to just looking at what's going on with the sector. The underlying economic environmental drivers supporting renewables, renewables growth remain unchanged. The only thing that has really changed is short-term investor sentiment, and this is perfectly normal. We expect investor sentiment to fluctuate over time, and it's also perfectly healthy because it drives out some of the speculative capital that's been coming in over the past year, and it creates the potential opportunity to buy some solid long-term businesses at more attractive prices. Speaking of financials, Brookfield Renewables released their first quarter financial results on May 4th. Net power generated was up slightly in the quarter, about 3%. Funds from operations or cash flow per unit was up slightly as well to 38 cents per unit for the quarter compared to 37 cents per unit in the same quarter last year. In 2020, funds from operations per unit were $1.32 compared to $1.30 in 2019. Brookfield Renewable also reports what they call normalized FFO or cash flow. And this is a figure which reflects what the cash flow would be if the weather patterns were consistent. Uh, Normalized funds from operations per unit for Q1 were up 21%. Uh, 
The company attributes growth in the period to contributions from its recent acquisition and also to contractual inflationary adjustments on its long-term contracts. And Brookfield Renewable, on a long-term basis, they're targeting distribution growth of about 5 to 9%, and they grew their distribution, increased it 5% just at the start of this year. So in conclusion, I think that Brookfield Renewable is a fine company. I would like to see better growth in cash flow per unit, but the stability of the business and the sustainability of the distribution should be very strong. The company pays a yield of about 3%, and it's targeting that distribution growth of 5 to 9% per year. So over time, I think a realistic expectation would be about 8% to 12% total return on average annually long term. One thing that I do find interesting about Brookfield Renewables is that their long-term contracts have some inflation escalators built in. So what this means is that when inflation increases, the company contractually is automatically going to get more revenue and more cash flow to offset that higher inflation. And this is an advantageous structure in an inflationary environment. We do have another Brookfield company under coverage in our income research, Brookfield Infrastructure, that we just recently updated. We would personally prefer this company to the renewable, Brookfield Renewable, just because we think the infrastructure business is better diversified, uh, both um, by, by asset type and geographically. It's had better growth over time, and it also has those same inflation escalators structured into its contracts. Um, as a pure play, power company with good stability, a nice yield, and some distribution growth, we absolutely think Brookfield Renewables is, is a decent company for long-term investors. We wouldn't necessarily expect any exciting levels of growth or big catalysts in the near term, um, but it's a, it's a stable business that should be able to continue to increase its distribution over time. Yeah, and I think you summarized like in the sixty plus dollar range, it just got really way ahead of its underlying fundamentals in the near term. Uh, you know, I mean, the the listener asks the question, you know, and talks about how it had come down from its highs. But you look back over a year, it was thirty five dollars. It's forty eight. That's probably more growth than you'd expect in a year for a company with its growth profile. So you know, it it got the um premium valuations that uh, you know in march of this year february of this year you were seeing in that segment but uh it's pulled back to more normalized levels it's still not really cheap at this point either and there's some other names that probably we prefer it's probably a good name as one of the premier names long term in this sector but in the near term it probably isn't that cheap either so we'll continue to monitor brookfield renewable we thank you for your questions uh aaron anything else to close or are you good no just that i thought that uh this is probably the uh the best podcast that cleanest we've done, yeah uh in uh, what is it about two years yeah i would say i don't know what, why what, how, can you think of why what's different it's been podcasts with us like, two years <laughs> a couple years. years maybe it's only been a year he's since he's been on here so it's only been a year on. of that right i mean that I, I was trying to figure out what was different in this podcast and in and then recent weeks right i don't know Just maybe our listeners can point reason, that out to know. us yeah we'll see all right, we'll look forward to uh, adding that guy back next week and see how that goes and probably seeing our ratings plummet after that. But, you know, we'll, we'll take him on. 
and see uh, see if we can uh, have a great cast next week. We think we'll have a debate next week as well. One of us will get into it with Brandon. It should be good. Uh, thank all our listeners. Keep rating us and reviewing us on iTunes or wherever you can rate and review us. Keep your questions coming into our Your Stock, our Take segments and our Ask Us Anything segments. If you've got two stocks you want us to compare or a stock you just want a sober second opinion on right now, send them in. We'll endeavor that to answer that over the next several weeks. Uh, again, I'd like to wish everybody out there profitable investing. Thank you. Profitable investing, everyone.